Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Venture Podcasts. I'm your host, Dan Wills, uh, lead pastor at Chandler Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And I am so thankful that you guys are listening in today. Uh, last week, uh, we had a little bit uh, uh, from John Christ. I hope you enjoyed that funny guy and uh, appreciate you guys still joining us, even though uh, it wasn't myself, um, it's kind of, but it was kind of a change of a pace. So I, I really hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, great uh, Christian comedian there. And uh, But today, we're kicking off a new uh, small series. It's a, just a little two-week series, uh, just so we can finish up through the through the Labor Day weekend and and get those things going, and then we'll start another series after that. So uh, we are in the two-week series called Blood and Thunder, and uh, so I believe Blood and Thunder is kind of a uh, perfect picture uh, of what it takes to see a move of God or a recipe for revival. And I know that word revival is kind of an old-fashioned word, but uh, I believe it's there. So uh, if you are listening today, I believe God has placed you on the other side of this podcast uh, for a reason and a purpose. And uh, kind of I know and I pray as always that God will uh, show you that. So uh, if you guys want, if you have a Bible and you follow along with a Bible, uh, if you guys want to kind of put your finger in uh, John chapter 12, that's where we're going to be today, uh, only in one place today. So that's kind of nice. John chapter 12, and just kind of put your finger there. So, uh, but I want to kind of uh, work through a picture where we're going to be for the next two weeks. Okay. When we talk about thunder, we're talking about God's power and thunder is a perfect picture to represent God, represent God's power. Why? Well, each bolt of lightning has a hundred million volts of electricity in it. So there's something powerful right there, obviously. And it's 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And, and if you're like, hey, Dan, well, how hot is that exactly? Well, that's about five times hotter than the surface of the sun. And it's enough power to, to power a DeLorean back to the future, right? So shout out to all those back to the future fans. Uh, you know where I'm going with that, right? Anyway, <laughs> all through the Bible, there's this narrative of thunder as being a picture of God's power. You see it in Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments. There was flashes of thunder and lightning happening there as, as God descended on this mountain to give the tablets to Moses. Uh, but then you also see it in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms, in fact, say that God's voice is like the sound of thunder. His voice is full of the roar and majesty of thunder. And then all the way to the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you have this picture of God's throne. When John is able to see into heaven through an open door. And, and what did he say? He said, I saw from the throne, I saw lightning, and I heard thunder. So thunder's this picture of God's power. It's something that can't be controlled. It's something that can't be coerced. It's something that can't be commanded. And, and I think uh, you'll agree with me that when we talk about a, a move of God, when we talk about a revival, which is where we're hungry to see uh, in our community, right? We're our city and, and we're hungry to see it in our nation today. It's, it's what we're hungry to see in our world. 
every time there's a national disaster, every time there's some celebrity who tragically overdoses, every time there's a terrorist attack, we just long for revival. We long to see a world where there's just righteousness and healing and peace and all of these things, and we want God's kingdom to come, right? Right. So thunder represents what God can do what God alone can do. It's not my might, it's not my power. Uh, in fact, the Lord says it's my, by my spirit. And so revival is not something we can just conjure up like a, a Harry Potter incantation, okay? For the, those that are Harry Potter fans. But listen to me very carefully. That's only part of the formula, okay? We're talking about blood and thunder. You see, blood is very human, when God became man, he took on blood and he took on skin, he took on flesh, and blood is a perfect picture of life, human life. In the Old Testament, the body says that the life of a creature is in its blood. So our bodies are full of life and, it, and its symbol is blood. In the Old Testament, sacrifices had to be given to God regularly, and, and they were blood sacrifices. And it all pointed to Jesus, who is going to come, but we who, but we who follow in Jesus' footsteps, we're supposed to live a life that's a living sacrifice now. God still wants sacrifices, but he doesn't want the blood to come out of our body as we give it to him. And that's very gracious of him to allow us to worship him through a living sacrifice. Now, like Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, I want to pour my life out like a liquid offering. If I lose my life, I'm fine with that. Whatever it means, whatever it takes, whatever God wants to do through me, his word sets the pace for my life. I believe when we talk about revival, both are important. It's not one or the other. Okay, we can't either trust the spirit or we actually do this, okay? Because I think the mistake sometimes people can make is the mistake of leaving it all up to us and thinking we can make God do something. But I think the more likely mistake would be kind of this, you know, let God go, just kind of let, let God do his thing and, and just let him alone just kind of take it on. Well, only God can do it. So, you know, I will just kind of pray for a revival and just really this weak, anemic faith. But I think it's pray to God and get to work. Okay. I think God wants us all to, to roll up our sleeves. And I think he wants us to be the answers to our own prayers. So, so here's kind of this overarching thought behind this series. Okay. Uh, a move of God takes power from above, right? Of course it does. But it also takes tears, sweat, and blood. It's blood and thunder. It's God's part, what he can only do, but it's our responsibility to do everything we can do to be the answer to our own prayers, okay? We're not going to pray for what we don't pay for. We are, we are going to be engaged, and we are going to give, and we're going to serve to be the answers to our own prayers. And that's kind of the big idea of what we're, what we're kind of talking about, okay? Now, I want to introduce this week's uh, concept, okay? It comes from John 12. That's why I have your, placed your finger in the Bible there. But, uh, but I'm calling this message Thunderstruck, okay? And, and my question is, is there any ACDC fans out there, right? Because that's a really popular song. It's a really good song. And some of you are like, really, Dan, Thunderstruck, you're going to go there. Yes, I am going to go there because the definition of, war, uh, of, of Thunderstruck is, is so special, okay? The definition of the, thund, of the word Thunderstruck is this. This is awesome. To be so astonished that you are amazed to silence, Okay? To be so astonished by something that you go silent with amazement. The actual word astonished comes from a Latin word that means struck by thunder. 
Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been so overwhelmed that you couldn't say anything? Well, I have. Okay, I'm going to give you my example. It happened to me a while back. My family lived in Michigan, and we had a place uh, that we rented that was on 13 acres of land. I've kind of shared that before. And so we had plenty of space to do bonfires. I mean, big bonfires. And we could also burn our own trash, and, and, and we didn't have to pay for a trash service up there. So, man, you could just throw on and throw on throw on stuff. And, and, and bonfires, if, if you're a guy, that's just, they're just fun to do, right? And, and so we would love to do those. Well, one day, my son and I were outside doing some yard work, and we were burning the leaves. And my son was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, somewhere right around there. And we made a huge pile of leaves, and so we started them on fire to get them burning. So as we added more, they just keep on burning. And at some point, I don't know when it happened or anything, but my wife um, saw that we were burning stuff. So she decided to take out a bag of trash and set it on the pile of leaves to burn. And at the same time, my, my son, who's taking the leaves from me as I'm raking them and throwing them, he's throwing them in the pile. Um, he covers the bag of trash. So I never saw the bag of trash go on there. All right. And, and so as it's burning, you know, and, and going along, it, it's just kind of burning this trash. Well, after a little while, Corey, my son, and I were doing, uh, after we were done doing the yard work, we decided, as as most guys would, right, hey, let's go play with some fire, <laughs> right? And so we grabbed a couple of sticks, and, and we were poking around in the fire, just kind of having fun. You know, it was, it was my son and I just, just laughing and talking, just having this father-son moment. And then all of a sudden, boom, this flaming chunk of trash comes flying out of the fire and hits me right in the chest. I was thunderstruck right at that moment. I was so astonished, I just stood there in silence. Of course, my son's not silent. He's laughing hysterically. In fact, he's on the ground laughing so hard. He didn't even worry about if his dad was okay. He just thought it was the funniest thing ever, and so he's laughing. And my wife comes running out of the house because she hears this boom sound and knows we're by the fire and everything and realizes something's happened. So she comes running out there and, and I'm explaining what's going on. My son's still laughing on the ground, you know, and finally get through the story. And all she, my wife could say is this, is that's why you shouldn't play with fire. You need to be careful. That was it, you know. But this whole time I'm kind of just astonished to the point I could not hardly speak. So... Where I'm going with this, in John chapter 12, there's a woman in the Bible who just really demonstrates the spirit of someone's who, someone who has been thunderstruck by God. Because before we can give our blood out of a living sacrifice, we are meant to do, to, which by the way, we're meant to do every day of our lives. I think we need to have the right spirit. And that's what we're gonna, we're gonna kind of see here. So join me in John chapter 12, Here's what it says. We're starting right away with uh, verse 1. Here's what it says. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. 
Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, maybe you have thought that some point coming and going to church, right? You're like, hey, this seems like a lot of money to spend on upgrades. And what's with all these expensive lights? And are these LCD screen uh, TVs necessary? How much wasted that? It's just unbelievable. While there are starving people in the world. And you're like, I like this Judas guy. He sees things like I see it. Well, I'll say, be careful talking like that, okay? Because let's read on. Listen to what, what, what goes on. It starts with verse, pick it back up in verse 6. He says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So what is he saying? He's saying, if you care so much about the poor man, why don't you do something for him, Judas? Instead of sitting back criticizing someone who's done something great for me, uh, it's so much easier to criticize, right, than to actually do something. It's not the critic who counts. It's the one who actually gets out there and does something. So don't worry about those who criticize you. Those who have given up on their own dreams always pile on those who dare to live out theirs. Jesus says, leave her alone. The poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. So I want to take some time and just see what's happening here, okay? Because Mary, who comes to Jesus and does this amazing thing that, by the way, Judas hates, but Jesus loves, is key to figuring out the passion of the moment, okay? This man, Lazarus, had died. And Mary is so touched by the fact that Jesus had risen her brother from the dead. Can can you imagine that, right? That when Jesus came back into town and they had the opportunity, she and her sister Martha and Lazarus, of course, said, we want to throw you a dinner. We want to throw you a party, okay? What would you do if someone gave you your brother back, right? What would you do if someone you love was in the ICU and it was touch and go for a little bit and, and then God healed them? What would you want to do for someone who had done that for you? A dinner at the very least, right? So if you read the rest of the gospel stories, you find out this was actually a concert event, okay, that a man named Simon, who was a leper but had been healed by Jesus, had also offered to pay for the DJ and the disco ball and the catering bill, okay? Obviously, I'm just giving an example. He just wanted to pitch in. So they, so they both were fighting to honor Jesus here. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, okay, had the honor of being the home that Jesus and his disciples would stay at when they were in town, all right? So they're at this dinner. It's a big event, and people are all there, right? You've been at those parties, a bunch of people, things are going on. And Simon's showing his gratitude because Jesus gave him his life back, and all he could do was try and show this gratitude however he could. And Mary felt the same way, and Martha felt the same way. They had love in their chest, but it was visible, okay? Why? Love always gives. You can give without loving. You can't love without giving. Let me say that again. You can give without loving. You can't love without giving because love always gives. God so loved the world, he sent a thank you card, right? No, he loved the world so much that he gave his son. Love always gives. If there's love in your heart, it will be revealed through your actions. It will be revealed through your words. You can't have a loving heart and not a generous spirit. Okay. In other words, they showed their love financially. 
They showed their love in a very real, tangible way. And somehow at the dinner, we don't understand exactly how it all played out, but at some point, Mary got up from the table. She goes, nope, 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 this is just not enough. Looks over at her brother, who just she just attended his funeral not too long ago. She quietly slips away. She went to her room, and she opened up a trunk, and she produced this bottle. And clutching it to her chest, she comes back, and falling down at Jesus' feet, she pours out, the Bible says, the whole bottle of perfume. Now, the first thing I want you to have to understand about this is, and if you're taking notes, is to understanding the truth about the truths, I'll say it that way, the truths about Mary's gift, okay? The number one thing, one of the things I want to show you is she gave what she could. She gave what she could, so write that down, all right? She had this gift, and, and it was a huge gift. How huge was it? Well, thank you to Judas, we know exactly how much it was worth. He said a year's wages, okay? Well, back then, a year's wages would have been about 300 denarii, okay? And you'll look like you'll look at me and say, well, that doesn't really help, okay? Well, federal minimum wage is 725 an hour, okay? Now, I know the minimum wage is different from state to state, but the federal minimum wage is 725 an hour, and he says it's 300 denarii. So when you factor out uh, Sabbath days, okay, this is an entire year of work for the average person. So roughly in American currency today, okay, it would be $15,080. She's at his feet after having already funded this huge party, pours out fifteen grand at his feet. But she did what she could. And the moment we hear about her gift, there's all kinds of different reactions we all have. Okay, for example, if I were to say to you, hey, if you've been saved, if your heart has been touched, if your kids have come to know Christ, okay, would you consider above and beyond your tithe, would you consider, especially as you think about what this means to you, how, how you want to show your gratitude to God, would you consider a gift of $15,000 above your normal giving you're already giving? Would you consider that? And some of you would say, for sure. Which kidney would you like me to sell? That's the kind of attitude you have. And, I, and, I, and you, you're saying, I would love to do that, okay? And if that's your reaction, here's what I would say to you. Just keep giving. Because the Bible says the world uh, of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And if you just keep giving, I believe God will bless you with more. You see, you can't call something generosity if you're giving God what's already his, which is what the tithe is. It's returning when you tithe. It's, it's giving after you've already begun tithing. And that's why I said she gave what she could. Okay? In fact, Jesus said exactly that. Mark 14, verse 80, told Judas she has done what she could. And that's the key thing. The danger isn't that we wouldn't do what someone else could do. The danger is that none of us would do what we can do, what we've been entrusted with. She gave what she could. Here's my second point, okay? So if you're taking notes, she gave while she could. She gave while she could. They say that timing is everything, and timing is certainly a factor here. See, we started with this, this reading of six days before the Passover, right? Well, which Passover? It's the one where Jesus would die. Think about this. She got her brother back, and on Saturday before the Passover, we're in the final week of Jesus' life on earth. She puts this banquet on. And here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Had she said this, you know what? 
I really should do something for Jesus. I'm really grateful for the way the church has impacted my kids and impacted my marriage and impacted my life. I eventually want to get around to doing something. If she had that mentality, guess what? She would have missed her moment because Jesus was about to leave this world. This was her literal only chance. As the idea came into her heart, she went and grabbed the gift and poured it out. I want you to understand something. It, it's, so, it's so significant because had she not done this, Jesus would not have been anointed for burial. You know that he died quickly. They had to rush to get him to the grave before the sunset and Sabbath began. And Nicodemus brought in the embalming stuff and Joseph of Arimathea brought the, the strips. But they came early sun, Sunday morning with perfume. They were going to anoint him. And then, surprise, surprise, he wasn't there. They went to pour the perfume out. He's not there anymore. That means that this, as he was alive, he sat there watching this, this, this perfume being poured out. He realized this is the only ceremonial act of perfuming and anointing his body will ever get. I'm trying to get you to see that, that as you're planning someday when and down the road then, and I'll be rich here, and I'll be in the position to give when, your opportunity might not come. Jesus put it in this way in John chapter 9. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. The night is coming when no one can work. Listen to me. The opportunity of a lifetime is only good for the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me say that one again. The opportunity of a lifetime is only good for the lifetime of the opportunity. And if we snooze, sometimes we lose. Right now is the right time to do the right thing. And let's not talk about what we're going to do one day because the people who need Jesus need to be reached now. And one day we're going to wake up in heaven and, they're gonna, and there, there will be no chance to share your faith. Think about that. How frustrating would that be, right? Sharing your faith in heaven. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? Yeah, he's right over there, man. He's, he's eating a Slurpee and stuff. Oh, well, I just wanted to share my faith. You see, there's not a sick person you can pray for. There's not a person who's discouraged in heaven that you can encourage. But today, we can. And the church is the hope of the world. And Jesus has given us the reason. And it's worth getting behind with everything. So we must do what we can. While, and we must do it while we can. Okay? Today's the day. Now's the time. Lastly, the third thing, if you're taking notes, is she received more than she gave. She received more than she gave. And I know that's part of the heart for, for us here at, at Chandler, and I hope it is as a Christian, that, that we will lead the way in, in irrational generosity, okay? Because we truly believe it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that's not some cheesy saying, okay? That's an actual fact. Think about this. How did that work? She gave $15,000 worth of perfume right? And there's lots of different levels we, we could attack with this, okay? Number one, she received the right to be part of the story, okay? Think about this. Jesus in another gospel, oh, by the way, this little story is told in every single gospel, all four. That means it's precious to God. God included this four times because it meant something to him. He had made a promise, he said when Judas chastised her and all that, he said, wherever the gospel story gets preached, what this woman has done for me will be told as a memorial to her. 
So she got to be a part of the story. Why? Because of what she did. She received it back. And today, even now in heaven, she's getting to somehow be aware of what God is doing and using her life still. And you're going, and you'll get this every time that you give. But there's another thing. She got to receive back the exact same thing that she gave to Jesus. She received back what she gave. She thought she gave it and it was gone, but it wasn't. Why? Well, because the Bible says, if you look at the story one more time, it says in John 12, verse 3, she says, uh, she wiped up the perfume with her hair. Now, if I pour out a bottle of perfume or whatever I use to wipe it up with, it's going to be transformed to it, right? So if I took it and wiped it up with a rag, on the rag is now what? The perfume. But if I wipe it up with my hair, okay, I go to leave, what comes with me? The smell of perfume in the air. She thought she was leaving it when it left her hand. The truth is it never left her life. And so it is anything we give to God is waiting for us in heaven. The only way you can keep anything is to give it away. The only way we can keep anything is by giving it away. And that's what she found. And that's what we keep. That's all we have. But what we give, God can multiply. That is why we are rich and we're going to live like rich people because God has given us much and we are required to live with much. The Bible talks about perfume and smell. Look at it one more time. The house was filled with fragrance. You pour out a whole bottle of wine, a, 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 a whole bottle of perfume. My gosh, think about that. It's going to be a really thick smell, a very thick smell, right? Listen, smell and memory and emotion are all connected. And when a very significant smell event happens, it can actually override old memories. Now, this is special to me because there's a story in the Bible where a, a prostitute did the same thing Mary did, but for different reasons. The prostitutes wore perfume to apply their trade. She would use the perfume to attract the attention of men that would pay for time with her body, right? But the Bible says she took the bottle of perfume and broke it at Jesus' feet, kind of her way of breaking from the old life, breaking, breaking with that old thing. She poured it out, and she said, take my sin, take my shame. I just love that a big smell event can actually rewrite old memories. And I'm telling you, no matter what sin you've done, no matter where you've been, you pour out your life at Jesus's feet, the smell of it can all of a sudden overwrite all associations where you used to be full of shame of what you've done. Now you can hold your head up and be victorious in Christ and have a different association. So give God what holds you back and let it become a source of worship to you. And this is just one small aspect of what she received because it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. Mary thought she was pouring out a bottle of perfume, but it turns out she poured out a bottle of light. You see, God's thunder always strikes when he sees a spirit that is thunderstruck. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another Venture Podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, I'm excited about just our next, week number two coming next week, and we'll finish up the series of, of Blood and Thunder. And then briefly after that, the following week, we're starting a brand new series. Uh, uh, and I'm excited to share what that will be, and I'll give you the news for that next week. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.